Welcome to the OC24 podcast, where we've taken some of the best talks and discussions from this year's 24-hour conference on global organized crime, which showcases some of the most interesting research into organized crime around the world. This episode is called Statistical Analysis of Organized Crime in France. Good morning, everyone. Uh, bonjour à tous et à toutes. Uh, we are uh, welcome to the uh, session on uh, statistical analysis uh, on organized crime in France. My name is Helena Faran Karapiko. I'm a Germany uh, chair at Northumbria University that's in the northeast of the UK. And it is a great pleasure to actually welcome the three speakers we have for today. And though both all the three speakers actually work at the French Ministerial Department for Internal Security in the Studies and Statistics Office on Organized Crime. Uh, first, we have Amandine Sour, uh, who is the deputy of the, of the office and works in a transversal way on issues related to organized crime. We also have Alexis Gerbeau, and uh, he is a data scientist specialized in human and drug trafficking. And then we have Zoe Gallo, is, who is a data scientist uh, with expertise in cyber criminality and economic and financial crime. In this session, Amandine Sour will discuss the limitations surrounding the uh, production of statistical data on victims and perpetrators of human trafficking through administrative and civil society sources, which underpins the need for diversifying data to find further insights into criminal phenomena. Following this intervention, Alexis Charbeau will present the outcomes of a study that explored the evolution of the number and profile of drug use and trafficking offenders. This session will conclude with a presentation by Zoe Gallo, who will um, discuss the rising notoriety of ransomware attacks and trends within the phenomena uh, that continues to, to shape police procedural responses in France. Uh, it is a very big pleasure to actually welcome these three speakers and to give the floor to the first speaker. Before I do so, I would just like to actually also welcome uh, our audience and remind them that they are very, absolutely free to actually post uh, questions in the Q&A uh, section. So uh, if you have any questions, I know that you're not able to actually voice them. So please do include them in the Q&A uh, table and I will uh, in the window and I will actually then read them to the uh, rest of the audience and to the speakers uh, at the end of the presentations and then give them the floor so that they can answer your questions. Thank you very much and Amandine the floor is yours. Okay thank you. Hello everyone. Good morning, good afternoon or good evening depending uh, where you're watching. <laughs> okay so uh, first of all so before uh, start the session of a statistical analysis of, of organized crime in France. I will present our department because we are all uh, from the same department, so we'll make a quick presentation. Uh, we are the French Ministerial uh, Statistical Department for Internal Security. Um, this, depart this department has been created in 2014. Uh, it's a quite new uh, statistical department compared to other statistical department in other ministry. Uh, we are recognized by uh, Eurostat as another national authorities. So that means that we are uh, um, responsible for the diffusion of uh, statistical uh, on internal uh, security uh, for France. And we have two main missions. Uh, the first one is uh, giving information to the public, the general public. And uh, the other one is to uh, bring a statistical support for public policy. And so we, we all three are from the 
Studies and Statistics Office on Organized Crime, uh, which has been created in 2020. And we are working on different topics. So there is like cyber crime, drug trafficking, trafficking in human beings, economic and financial crime, corruption, identity, identity fraud. And uh, the goals of our office is to make data expertise on this topic, uh, design new indicators on uh, all of these uh, thematics and doing like statistical and criminological analysis. And we are really attached to develop a partnership uh, with operational services, institutional and civil society. Uh, so there is two, two kinds of uh, identification of victims of human trafficking. There is the official one, which is uh, made by uh, a competent authority as police and justice and labor inspection authority. And there is like the detection of victims, which is made by NGOs, association, and other institutions. And so on the, on the data on human trafficking in France, we have two, two kinds of data. We have so administrative data and civil society data. For administrative data, um, data collection is made by each institution. And uh, we are doing extraction specific data from a global information system. So the information system are made for wider scope. So we don't have specific details on human trafficking. Uh, we have developed a common scope between police and justice that I will present to you just a slide after. And we are the information on administrative data is on penal proceeding, offenses, victims, and perpetrators. And the civil um, society data, so the NGOs data, is collected every year. And we have made a partnership with another institution and a collective of association to create a questionnaire and an online survey to collect the data of, um, on a victim accompanied by associations. And we are collecting, collecting like data, we are more like qualitative data because it's really um, a, data collection with specific on human trafficking. So we have information on profile of victim, conditions of exploitation, assistance by associations, uh, and the procedure engaged by victims. And so to start with the administrative data and this common scope uh, between the police and justice is, ba is, made, is based on the offenses. And we have eight group of offenses. And the first one is uh, on uh, the offenses of trafficking in human being, beings. And as I said, uh, we cannot distinguish the exploitation form in this group of offense. So we know it's a victim of human trafficking, but we don't know what for. And the other group of offense refer to other, um, to other definition in the penal uh, code in France. So we have aggravated procuring, enslavement, exploitation of begging, identified working and living conditions, forced labor, reduction to servitude, and organs trafficking. On organs trafficking, we do not have uh, any data. So I will now present to you the, the data on the, the victim's profile record on the police and gendarmerie. So you have to know that in France, we have two kinds of police uh, force, forces. Um, so the police and gendarmerie. And so uh, for the profile of uh, victims, 
of offenses of exploitation and trafficking in human beings. So the global group, actually, we, are, we have more, uh, the proportion of women is uh, more important. And we have an average of 22% of minors between 2016 and 2020. And uh, we can see in the data a rise of uh, this proportion of minors. And this is linked to uh, the phenomenon of uh, sexual exploitation of young uh, French women, uh, which is a phenomenon uh, that's uh, rising up since a few years, maybe 2017, 17, sorry. And uh, this is a phenomenon well, well known by uh, association, but also by operational service. Uh, so the victims of exploitation and trafficking are quite young. Uh, because you have 22% of the victims who are uh, underage and 27% who are between 18 and 24 uh, years old. Uh, we have 38% of the victims who are uh, French nationality, and we have also um, really diverse nationality of this kind of victim. But what's, in, it's, uh, what's interesting point is to look on the group of offense and the profile uh, by group. So uh, on this slide, you have uh, the profile of the victims uh, with uh, the different group of offense. And if we look at uh, the offense of uh, human trafficking uh, victims, we have uh, a proportion of women who are uh, more important, 69%. But if we look on the offenses of forced labor, we have a proportion of uh, male victims who are more important, 60, uh, 66%. And um, if we look on the proportion of underage uh, victim, we can see that for the offenses of forced begging, we quite all the victims, 79% of victims are underage. And the nationality are really different uh, regarding the group of offense. For human trafficking, we have uh, Nigerian and French victim for most. And uh, this is linked to the for Nigerian, for the Nigerian uh, network uh, that are well known uh, around Europe. And um, if we look at like, the nationality of, uh, for, for forced labor, we have like a more diverse nationality. That's why the percentage are lower. We have like 6% of Indian and 5% of Moroccan, but we have a really uh, wider uh, nationalities. And if we look uh, for the offense of aggravated procuring, uh, we have uh, most of the victims who are women, and uh, they are uh, for 44% of them French, uh, of, have a French nationality. And for the offenses of forced begging, we have a nationality from uh, Romanian for quite half of the victims, and 21% who are French. And to have a better understanding of uh, this phenomenon of exploitation, uh, this is also interesting to look on uh, the data of uh, associations that we collect because we will have more qualitative information. As you can see on this slide, this is a result of uh, the questionnaire of uh, 2020, so the result of 2019. And so we have detected, uh, uh, NGOs have detected like more than 6,000 victims uh, by 38 NGOs. And um, around half of them have been accompanied by these uh, NGOs. 
And so you can see the repartition uh, regarding the exploitation form. What's interesting here is that uh, we have information on, on victim of forced criminality that we cannot have in the administrative data because these victims are recognized as perpetrator of a, of a crime, but not as a victim of human trafficking for most of the time. And so even if the profile of uh, the, the proportion of uh, men and women is quite the same uh, with uh, administrative data, with NGOs data, we can have uh, more qualitative information. As, ex as an example for sexual exploitation, we know that uh, 25% of these victims have been uh, pregnant during the exploitation. And uh, almost all the victims are in a criminal network. And for example, for domestic servitude, it's kind of, uh, it's a little bit different. Uh, the traffickers is known by uh, the victim for 68% of the victim. And um, generally it's more a closer person uh, than uh, sexual uh, exploitation. And uh, for forced criminality, we can see that uh, all the victims suffered from addiction. So that means that the hold of the trafficker is, um, is uh, reinforced, if I can say, by uh, the addiction of uh, the victim. Most of them are underage. And uh, for forced criminality and forced begging, the specificities is that the traffickers are family members or family in-law members. So this is more like a clinic exploitation. And uh, most of them are coming from, um, from Eastern and Southern Europe. Uh, what you have to, we can know with uh, this, um, this survey is that the victim uh, do not um, go to the police um, so often, uh, like 28% of uh, the victims filled a complaint uh, and it's the victims who are accompanied by associations. So that means that really few victims report the crime to the authorities. And to see a little bit of, um, of the profile of the perpetrators, we can see that uh, for this profile, we have more like a male, Men, uh, men perpetrators. And, uh, but if we look on the um, group of offense, we can see like for human trafficking offenses and forced begging offenses, we have more uh, women who are perpetra perpetrators. And for trafficking in human beings, this is linked to the Nigerian network, uh, for example, where you have like uh, more women who are implicated in this network as they are called uh, by the name of the mama. I don't know if you heard about that. But they are like uh, uh, in the organization of the network, they can make some recruitment of victims and organize their sexual exploitation. And so we can see like the nationality is a bit different uh, regarding the, the offense also. Um, on the profile of the victim are pursued by uh, justice, uh, this is quite the same profile as the one registered by uh, police and gendarmerie. Uh, but what's interesting is to look on the con convicted uh, person's profile. As you can see, uh, for uh, the offenses of exploitation and trafficking of human beings, so that means for all groups, we have more uh, men who are, who are uh, convicted. Uh, who have been convicted, and uh, for offense of human trafficking, we are 
we have a profession of uh, women who are more important, as this is linked to Nigerian network, as I said. An inter interesting thing is also to look on the quantum of uh, prison sentences by a type, type of uh, principal offense. As you can see, uh, the quantum of uh, prison sentences is really different regarding the group of offenses. Uh, like for trafficking in human beings, uh, the quantum is uh, for is four years of uh, prison. And, uh, but uh, for false begging, it's only five months of uh, prison. And uh, so that's uh, really interesting to, to look at uh, this uh, kind of details in the administrative data. And so to quickly sum up uh, this uh, presentation, it's interesting to have uh, multiple comparative uh, data to better understand this criminal phenomenon and have a better view on what are the, what, uh, who are the victims and who are the perpetrators uh, of human trafficking. And administrator, administrative data, uh, we have a common indicator between police and justice who uh, facilitate, facil facilitate uh, the analysis between these two ministries. And uh, we have information by type of offenses. Uh, but the thing is that we have little information because, as I said, the information system is not made only for human trafficking uh, data. And it could be a confusing indicator because we have offense of strictly human trafficking and uh, wider uh, offenses, a larger, um, larger group of offenses as uh, identified working and living condition, for example. And with the NGOs data, we, have, uh, we can have information on invisible victims because few victims report the crime to the police. And um, this uh, report, the report that we publish every year is used by NGOs to explain what's human trafficking with all need data to um, make a better, make an image on the, what are the, this criminal phenomenon. Uh, it's possible that there is victim duplication in this result. And it's difficult to do trends because we have different um, NGOs who respond to the survey every year. So all of these data are dependent on the activities of the police, the justice, and the NGOs. So they are not representative of all the phenomenon of trafficking in France, but uh, this um, allows to have a view of uh, human trafficking in France. So thank you very much for your intention. And uh, I will leave the floor to Alexei. Okay, so hello everyone. So on my side, I'm going to uh, talk about uh, drug use and trafficking offenses uh, and present you so a statistical review in France between 2016 and 2020. So for more information about uh, this uh, subject in general uh, of the three of us, you can go to uh, our website and uh, you will uh, see uh, the recent publication about uh, these topics. So I will, um, I will break down the presentation in two parts. So the first part will be dedicated to the methodology of this study. Um, so first defining the, the scope of uh, drug use and second presenting uh, what we are going to count and uh, how we are going to count it. And uh, on the second part, I will uh, focus on the profile of uh, drug use and trafficking offenders. 
So first of all, what is the statistical scope of uh, drug uh, offenses? So we have made a choice to, uh, to select uh, the French statistical nomenclature of offenses, which is uh, made from the ICCS, the International Classification of Crimes for Statistical Purposes, which has been developed by UN. And uh, it is adapted to the context of uh, French criminal law. So that's the reason why we have chosen uh, the NFI. So in this uh, nomenclature, uh, the drug um, scope does not include driving under the influence of drugs or uh, drug trafficking laundering. So the scope of drug offenses is defined uh, as all offenses included in uh, the corresponding uh, section of this uh, nomenclature. So there is a section for dedicated to drug use, a section dedicated to drug trafficking, and then uh, two sections for other, other drug-related offenses, but we will not uh, um, uh, focus on this, uh, this category. And uh, so there are more or less uh, 90 uh, drug-related offenses which are classified uh, into, into these uh, three uh, categories. However, uh, some of them can be used in practice by law enforcement uh, for both drug use and drug trafficking. So to make uh, the, the classification between these two categories, we will use a specific uh, code used by uh, law enforcement uh, to, to make uh, the, the distinction between uh, drug use and drug trafficking. So now let, let's talk more about data. So uh, what kind of data are we dealing with? So it is purely uh, administrative data. So reports made by law enforcement agency. So as Amanit said, uh, in France, uh, we have two uh, main law uh, enforcement agency, Police Nationale and uh, Gendarmerie Nationale. So second, we have to define uh, what uh, to count. So what is our indicator? And we have chosen to count a number of respondents rather than uh, offenses or proceedings. So we found that uh, it is more uh, accurate and uh, does not depend on the registration methods uh, used by uh, law enforcement agencies. And third, uh, how to count this uh, respondent. So we choose to uh, consider all of them, all the respondents related to uh, uh, one uh, drug legislation uh, offense, including uh, those whose primary offense is not drug related. So for example, if um, uh, an individual is, um, is accountable for uh, an offense of violence in group as uh, its primary offense, and also uh, is responsible for use of drug as a secondary offense, we will uh, count this uh, individual uh, in the category of uh, drug use uh, respondent. And then uh, I need to, uh, to, um, to precise that uh, uh, in the way to count respondents, we remove respondent duplicates within the groups. So within the drug use, drug trafficking, and uh, drug-related respondent categories. So uh, to make it more concrete, the same individual can be implicated for offense related to drug use and drug trafficking. So it will be counted in both categories, but then uh, it will count only once in the total number of suspects uh, for drug uh, offenses. So um, 
I will now uh, talk uh, about the about the the results of our study uh, in France between uh, 2016 and 2020. So first, uh, this table gives you the number of drug-related respondents for each category. So for drug trafficking offenders, uh, we have uh, an average number per year of 44,000 respondents. For drug use offenders, it's around uh, 179,000 uh, respondents. And the total drug offenders is uh, about uh, 208,000 uh, respondents. So drug, drug, drug trafficking offenders account for uh, roughly 20% uh, of the total number of uh, drug-related uh, uh, offenders. And uh, regarding the, the, to make these uh, numbers uh, in a, to make a comparison with all the, the activity of uh, police uh, and for law enforcement agencies in France, so between 2016 and 2020, the number of uh, drug offenders accounts for 18% uh, of all respondents recorded by law enforcement. But uh, the procedure in which uh, at least one drug-related uh, offense is present is only 2% of all proceedings. So a small number of proceedings account for a larger number of respondents. But uh, this is uh, due to the uh, specificity of uh, drug-related offense, because they are all uh, uh, they need an, all to be uh, to have uh, at least one respondent. So it's particularly of uh, this kind of uh, of offenses. So following up with the evolution uh, on the period considered, so between 2016 and 2020, so you have the quarterly evolution of the number of respondents for drug drug use uh, in blue and uh, traffic uh, drug trafficking in uh, orange. So. Uh, between 2016 and 2019, before COVID period, uh, drug use respondents remain quite stable, but uh, we do see an increase by 15% uh, of uh, drug trafficking respondents. And uh, specifically focusing on uh, 2020, so which has been impacted by uh, COVID-19, we've seen a decrease in respondents for drug use and trafficking during the three first quarters. And uh, for the last quarter, drug trafficking remained stable compared to last quarter of 2019. However, drug use respondents rise by uh, more than 20%. And uh, uh, this is due to a criminal, criminal fines for drug use respondents that have been uh, um, introduced uh, in the last quarter of 2020 in France. So, now uh, I will just present the main offenses of uh, drug respondents whose main offense is not drug related. So as uh, I've said before, we are counting this uh, respondent even if their main offenses is not related to, to drug. And uh, here, here you can see the main offenses of those uh, respondents. So for drug use offenders, uh, the categories of their main offense is mainly uh, around the attack on the integrity, integrity of the person for 21%, uh, non-violent threat and a breach of trust for 18%, and acts involving the proceed of crime for 16%. And uh, for drug trafficking offenders, uh, it's quite different, uh, in particular for uh, uh, acts against the justice system, 
we have more uh, um, more main offenses of drug respondents regarding uh, trafficking offenders. And uh, we also have a quite significant number, so 11% of drug trafficking offenders whose main offense is uh, uh, around uh, acts related to an organized criminal group. So it's, uh, it's interesting to see that drug trafficking offenders are um, kind of more linked to an organized criminal group and uh, more uh, severe um, categories of, uh, of offenses and uh, drug use offenders, it will be a more uh, uh, um, breach of trust, trust and uh, uh, other kind of, um, of uh, offenses like this. But now uh, I will present uh, briefly uh, three uh, uh, aspects of the profile of these uh, respondents. So first, regarding the, 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 the sex of the, the respondents, so the majority of them are men, nine, nine out, of, out of 10 are men, compared to uh, eight out of 10 for other offenses. So we can see uh, that uh, um, drug-related uh, respondents are more, uh, uh, are more uh, um, focused on men than on uh, than regarding sorry, we can see that uh, regarding the the respondents of drug uh, related offenses, it is more uh, composed by men than the other offenses, and uh, we can put this uh, uh, in parallel with a, a population based survey that indicates that the share of women in a cannabis consumer is a twenty six percent. So here it's only 9%. So it shows that uh, drug-related respondents are not a representative of the population of drug users, and it is more focused on uh, male uh, uh, individuals. The second aspect of the profile of the respondents uh, is the age. So the majority of respondents are young. As you can see on the left uh, figure, the the age, the age distribution of drug use and trafficking respondents are quite the same, even though you have more uh, drug trafficking offenders uh, under age. And uh, when we compare the age distribution on drug and non-drug related respondents on the right uh, uh, image, you can see that the distribution is completely different. You have a lot more uh, young respondents uh, for the the drug the the, the drug related uh, respondents, so sorry in the in the labels on the right uh, image it is it is a switch. So in blue it is a drug related respondent, and in uh, orange it is non drug related respondent. And we can see that uh, sixty uh, sorry seventy four percent. Uh, of uh, drug-related respondents are under the age of 30, and it is only 50% uh, for other offenses. And uh, last, uh, regarding the profile of uh, respondents for drug and uh, drug use and trafficking, so the majority of them are French. It's about 86% uh, of respondents for drug use trafficking and 90% for drug use, uh, for drug use, sorry. Uh, it is to be compared uh, that to uh, the share of uh, French uh, respondents for other offenses, which is to uh, 82%. So we have more, more French uh, 
individuals that are uh, um, that are arrested for drug trafficking or drug use. And when we look at uh, what are the other nationality, we can see uh, in France that uh, the more uh, the nationality uh, more represented are the Algerian, Moroccan, and Tunisian, which is also the nationality that are the more present in the global population. So it's um, it's uh, um, normal to find them at the first place of the other nationality. However, we see that. Uh, Compared to the share in the total population, uh, they are a little bit uh, overrepresented compared to uh, the French nationality, which is uh, over underrepresented. So, yeah, sorry for um, thank you for your attention, and I will leave the floor to uh, Zoe for uh, her subject. Thank you, Alexis, for this presentation. Um, on my slide, I'm going to talk about ransomware attacks against legal entities in France. So uh, just first, uh, what I'm going to talk about deeper in this uh, presentation, I'm going to make a short introduction with uh, some uh, definition of the word ransomware and what we are going to talk about. After that, uh, I'm going to explain how we have counted ransomware attacks in our data, because as Alexi explained, we worked on uh, operational data from the police forces. And after that, in the second part, we are going to analyze more in detail uh, the ransomware attacks per business sectors on public and private entities. And uh, as the last part, we are talking about the amount of ransom money. Um, so what is ransomware? So from the United Nations Office on Drugs and Crime, ransomware are defined as malware designed to take user system files and or data stage and a relinquish control back to the user only after ransom is paid. And uh, what we challenge first with uh, this uh, definition of ransomware, that we make the uh, statement that we have a true ransomware. Uh, you can't use your data, you can't use your uh, computer after it's infected, and uh, but you have fake ransomware, which sometimes are called also called scareware. So from this uh, kind of malware, it's definitely easier to handle them from uh, your computer, you can just uh, shut up your browser, your internet browser or your computer, and uh, you don't have any issue anymore with this kind of scare. So defi we definitely are talking, trying to talking about more as a ransomware, true ransomware. And uh, to be sure that we have true ransomware in the data, we have just restrained the scope on uh, legal entities because usually this kind of uh, threat is uh, more around uh, legal entities rather than natural person. So another challenge we, face, we faced in the data is um, producing the knowledge from operational data, because as uh, Alexi and uh, Amandine explained before, we have uh, two kinds of authority forces in France, police and uh, gendarmerie, and they do the registration at uh, two different ways. Uh, it's kind of easy to uh, identify ransomware from the police data, because inside the police data, we, they have just to uh, tick a box from their software and we have the information that uh, the proceeding is a ransomware. But in the gendarmerie, we need to uh, identify the ransomware in the natural, with natural language proceeding, assigned the sum up of the complaints. So, and uh, from this side, it's as well kind of tricky because sometimes we have the proper word ransomware or the French translation in the sum up, but sometimes it's uh, just a different kind of word 
uh, related to ransomware like uh, cryptography or uh, computers or ransom. And but it's not definitely the proper word ransomware inside the summer. So we need to make a decision if it's ransomware or not, and if we count them in the data. Uh, as well, we have uh, another challenge with the fact that uh, ransomware is a kind of investigation in the international context. So in the international context, uh, it's quite difficult to have offenders recorded in the official registration in France because a uh, lot of the time offenders are identified abroad. So um, as well, uh, in France, the investigation, so the complaints are taken locally by the local uh, authority forces, but uh, you can have a transfer of the data to national office more uh, competent to treat the investigation and the case. So uh, due to this kind of transfer, we can have uh, some difficulties in the data to, uh, in our data to identify properly one somewhere. Sometimes we can have a, a duplicate inside the data or this kind of thing. So uh, due to all of these challenges, we calculated a range of values for the number of ransomware attacks rather than just uh, decided to give you a simple proper number, exact number of ransomware attacks. So in this slide, what we are seeing, we have first in the chart, in the upper side of the of this chart, uh, the trend of ransomware attacks uh, over the period of uh, 2016 uh, to 2020. And uh, from uh, in the orange line, we have uh, the high hypothesis about uh, the number of ransomware we can identify in our data, and the blue line is the low hypothesis. So, uh, from uh, in 2016, we identified uh, in the upper hypothesis 400 uh, ransomware attacks in our data on the legal entities, and in uh, 2020, we asked, we identified uh, 460 uh, inside the data. Uh, the chart uh, on the lower side is the chart about the, how the ransomware are recorded in the proceedings. So um, it's uh, this uh, these ransomware attacks are uh, recorded as a breach on a automated data processing system offense. Uh, mainly, it's uh, the blue share of the of the chart and uh, the red. Uh, the rest of the time, the proceedings uh, are recorded uh, as fraud, scam, or bribery inside the data. So it's more about the nature of offenses, how the data are recorded for the lower chart. So after, for the rest of the presentation and the rest of our study, we kept the high hypothesis uh, for, uh, to make our, uh, all of our um, uh, statistics. Then uh, we kept this hypothesis because uh, we make the assumptions that uh, there is it's more it's riskier to uh, underestimate the ransomware attack rather to uh, overestimate it. So that's why we kept the high hypothesis. As well, uh, both lines, both trends are in the same uh, in the same slope. So just it doesn't make any differences in the data to keep the high or the low. So now I'm going to talk more about uh, some details about uh, what kind of legal entities uh, have been uh, targeted, have been threatened by a ransomware attack. So in the orange of the, of the graph, it's more like uh, the share of the legal entities in France by, by uh, activity field. And in the blue line, it's uh, the share of the ransom, the 
victims, the legal entities, victims of uh, ransomware attacks. attacks sorry. Um, so what we can see there, we have um, kind of a, a big offset for two uh, business lines, for public administration, education, healthcare, and social services. We have just 13% of them which are uh, a business line in France. They represent just 13% of the activity field in France, but there are 20% of the victims of ransomware attack. Uh, as well, the other one, which uh, we can observe um, a, a big offset between the, the two share is the manufacturing and other industries. So just uh, they, they represent just 7% of the activity field in France, but 50% of the victims of ransomware attacks. So this slide uh, is more about to go uh, deeper in details uh, on uh, what is happening in the ransomware attack in the public administration. So it's more the share of local authorities in public administration, because we have seen that uh, local authorities have uh, the more threatened by, uh, by ransomware attack rather other kind of public administration. So for example, inside public administration, all of kind of public administration in 2020, 85% of them are local authorities and 15% are public administration, excluding local authority. So local authority are kind of the perfect target for ransomware attacks authors because um, uh, they have um, kind of weaknesses in their computer system. Uh, their data are very sensible and very important, and uh, they can't stop to rule their, uh, their computer system. So it's uh, definitely good for uh, authors to uh, threaten them because uh, it's um, because they need to keep their data. They need uh, to pay the ransom to uh, to have access to their computer file, and they have kind of a lot of weaknesses. So after that, we are going to talk about the distribution of uh, legal entities affected by a ransomware per size of city where the legal entities are located. Um, here in this chart, um, we can see that um, it's kind of, from this table, the thing we, we need to remember, it's uh, the, um, the, the business lines per, uh, per lines, the, Threaten of uh, ransomware attacks are in line with the proportion of uh, manufacturing of uh, uh, sorry, just to have access to my notes, just a second. Yeah, so we need there is it's the same repartition by uh, business sectors uh, here in France. We have the same repartition for all of the business sectors and for all of the repartition of the ransomware attacks in the in the passes of location so we don't have any offset we don't have any uh, big insight from uh, from this table uh, between the repartition of uh, ransomware attacks and the repartition of uh, uh, city inside uh, the repartition of uh, by the size of the, of the city um, after that we are going to talk about uh, Ransom, um, ransom money. So it's the distribution of the amount of ransom from uh, 2016 to 2020. So uh, the median is around 2,890. And um, 
So the main, uh, the, the things you need to know about this, uh, this data that we need, we have done the calculation about 16% of the um, ransomware attacks that are recorded because um, uh, we have just all of this data with uh, the mention of the amount of, uh, of money. So we didn't see any bias inside the repartition of the of the of the data uh, from uh, of them which are uh, uh, mentioned with the amount of uh, of uh, of a ransom. We did we didn't see any any bias from uh, uh, the repartition of the uh, activity field inside the repartition of the activity field. So. Uh, what we have uh, we have seen it's uh, some of uh, some of them are very uh, more than uh, one million of uh, of money, um, and after that the trend of the media of the moon of France over years. So we can see a big increase from uh, 2016 to uh, 2020. So over here it was around uh, 50 percent per year an increase from uh, the beginning of the period until the end of the period. So um, according to the data recorded by security forces in 2019, also of all the legal entities were asked less than 4,500 euros as a ransom. This amount is up to uh, 6,375 in 2020. So just to uh, make uh, some sum up of the key findings of this presentation, Ransomware is a challenging subject for statistics with operational data. Ransomware attacks increase in France on, on the period considered. Public administration, education, healthcare, and among them, especially local authorities, are one of the most important targets for ransomware attack offers. The threat of the median of the ransom amount increases between 2060 and uh, 2020. So our next steps are more about continue to develop collaborative work with operational services, uh, is as well to make an analysis by type of, type of ransomware and as well improving the natural language processing method for ransomware detection. So thank you so much for your attention on this uh, presentation. And just uh, let us know if you have any question about the different presentation from Amandine and Alexis. I just give the, the end to Elena. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you so much to uh, the three speakers for an excellent, uh, well, for excellent presentations. They're, you know, put their insights into this, into this really complex area. And I'm sure that the audience will have great deal of questions. So I, could I ask everyone to actually follow the example of uh, Mara Freitas and actually add their questions to the Q&A if possible. Uh, Q&A window so that I can actually read them to the rest of the audience and actually to the speakers as well. Um, we now have about 20 minutes left of um, 22 minutes left of uh, Q&A so that's that's a good time. So um, I would like to start with with the questions that I already have here by Mara Freitas uh, from Brazil. Uh, so she uh, she has three questions specifically. Uh, so she starts with uh, recently acting as a volunteer at the Ministry of Justice uh, in Brazil. I developed a manual for the harmonization of statistical variables with a view to creating a national statistical system. Each of our states has its own statistical system specializing in security. 
is your service unique to your country or are there local services? Uh, are these local services integrated in any system and are the treated variables standardized? She then continues uh, with another question. When assisting victims of trafficking, are there any questions that assess the reasons why people accepted migration? In uh, accepted migration, Okay. Uh, in Brazil, there is the problem of international human trafficking, commonly aimed at prostitution and forced labor, as well as internal human trafficking aimed at prostitution, forced labor, and or unfortunately for the sale of human organs. Although the authorities do not tabulate, it is observed that the reasons are associated with poverty and deep economic problems not overcome by public policies such as income transfer. And then finally, uh, which statistical software do you use in France? Um, at the moment, those are the questions I have here in the Q&A window. I might take advantage of my position as a chair to also add a couple of questions. So I was particularly interested in the global information system that Amandine actually referred to in her uh, presentation. So I was wondering what global information system that is, uh, where, you know, is, is that a specific database that is actually managed by a specific international organization? Um, and then I was actually wondering um, in terms of the, uh, obviously a lot of the, uh, I, I personally work at European Union level in Justin Home Affairs. So a lot of the um, data that I use comes from, uh, from the SOCTA report. So the Serious Organized Crime Threat Assessment which is produced by Europol. So I was wondering, do you also actually use uh, any uh, European databases? Do you have access to any of the European databases, uh, some of them being managed by, uh, by Europol specifically? Um, uh, or do you, do you have access to, uh, able to actually ask uh, Europol for, even if indirectly, for some of the data on trafficking of human beings and on drug trafficking uh, and so on and so forth? Um, and I'll leave it at this for, for, for now and then maybe, you know, open to a second round of questions if there's if the audience uh, submits any. Thank you very much, and I'll leave you you know the floor to the three of you to actually answer uh, these questions. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Uh, so maybe we'll start with the easy one question: Which uh, statistical software do we use <laughs> here in France? So we use a uh, different statistical software. So we use uh, SAS. Uh, we use R and Python. Python, yeah. Python, Python. Python. Um, so nothing more than that. Uh, just classical statistical software. And so um, you ask for um, if uh, our service was unique in our country, or if there is local service. We are like. Um, uh, unique department, uh, official department of statistical on uh, for the Ministry of Interior, but you have the same for the Ministry of Justice. We work with them. And also in a different uh, police office, you can have some uh, person who work on statistics also. So sometimes you can have different, um, uh, different uh, people who are doing uh, statistics, but uh, our, uh, our office is the central one. So we work on police data and gendarmerie data, both data. And uh, because um, like to, to respond to the global information system, um, each, uh, each uh, police forces, uh, law enforcement forces have their own um, information system. So that means 
like when um, people come to to report a crime, the police officer or the gendarme officer uh, register uh, this uh, crime in a, in a, in an information system, but this is not the same uh, information uh, systems. So I don't know if that's a yeah yeah just just i'm not sure if i understand well the question but we don't have the exact replication of our office at a local uh, area it's just uh, yes one services all the data comes from the local um, uh, the local police office and comes up to to us um, so it's what we have in our recorded. So as uh, Amandine explained, some police officer can do uh, locally some statistic if they need, but uh, we do the, the thing at uh, the national side here in the, the office. And so we are, do not work for now on the European database, uh, but I think we could ask to have access to this database, but I don't know uh, what the process uh, to do it. And uh, uh, yes, as a question on uh, assisting victims of human trafficking, are there any questions that assess the reason why people accepted migration? Um, actually, we don't have question in uh, the survey, this kind of question in the survey, because um, when we work with association, it's not uh, one line, one victim. So we don't have like uh, personal um, data. We have uh, data for a global number of uh, victims who are accompanied by uh, association. Uh, but when we exchange with associations, they give like they give us some uh, information to better understand this uh, phenomenon. And um, so, of course, there is like the reason of poverty and deep economic uh, problems. And um, there is also like the sometimes like for Nigerian uh, network, as uh, the victims can know that they coming in France or in Europe more generally um, to, to, to prostitute uh, themselves, but uh, they don't know the condition when they will uh, doing that. So that's when they arrived uh, in Europe, they will have uh, faced violence and uh, coercion and uh, all of uh, this kind of, uh, of, uh, of uh, violence, actually, that uh, they, don't, uh, they don't know when they, uh, they leave uh, Nigeria, for example, on Nigerian. And for uh, like uh, criminal uh, activities, like forced uh, criminality, it's uh, like more difficult because it's uh, like linked to the family members. So the, it's like most of them are underage and they know they will do that, but it's, there is a lot of uh, hold of the person. The influence of uh, the family members is really strong because there's a link of the family. So that's uh, a big, uh, big issue. Thank you so much for the clarifications and, and the answers. Um, I, I just want to clarify that. I, I, um, thank you, Mara Freitas, for the, um, for the clarification on what, what it means to actually accept to migrate. I, I have to admit that I hesitated when I read the question because the term accepting to migrate in the context of trafficking of human beings is a, very, is a problematic one because not all victims accept to migrate. So sometimes they don't have a choice or even they're not asked about it right so that's why I, I hesitated when I read and I apologize for that um, 
the uh, would anyone else in the, in the audience have any questions that you'd like to pose to uh, to our three speakers we still have um about 10 minutes left so you feel free to actually uh, uh, there's a lot of interesting uh, detail in in these in these presentations um I can always ask another question that I, I was thinking about, which is for the for the three speakers really. And how easy do you find it to, to compare the data that you receive from different sources? Obviously, one of the main problems that we can see at European level is that actually it's difficult to compare national data simply because sometimes the definitions of what one country considers to be trafficking of human beings is different from another one or that victims have been identified differently uh, or misidentified differently so would you how would you be able to comment on how easy you find it so actually compare uh, uh, the data that you receive from the different ngos or from different services thank you Perfect. Thank you. Thank you very much for the uh, for the answer. Uh, I think that uh, given that we have no further questions from the from the audience, and so and uh, I would just like to actually uh, uh, bring this session to a close. Thank the uh, three speakers from some, some really insightful presentations, uh, and to actually share for sharing with us some of the challenges that they feel that they've experienced in the field. And, um, and I hope that uh, if, obviously, if you have any further questions on the side of the audience, uh, I also want to obviously, you know, thank the audience in particular, Mara Freitas for uh, very insightful questions. And uh, if you do have further questions, please don't hesitate to contact us and we'll make sure that the questions actually uh, uh, do go to the, uh, to the speakers. Uh, thank you very much. And I hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you, bye. Thank you for listening to the OC24 podcast. For more talks, have a look at the podcast feed on whichever platform you use. There are loads more to listen to. Video versions of these talks are also available on the Global Initiative Against Transnational Organised Crime YouTube channel. If you would like to share these talks around, we ask that you use the hashtag OC24 and let us know what you think. The 24-hour conference on global organised crime is brought to you by the European Consortium of Political Research Standing Group on Organised Crime, the Centre for Information and Research on Organised Crime, the International Association for the Study of Organised Crime, and the Global Initiative Against Transnational Organised Crime. For more information, head over to oc24.globalinitiative.net. This has been the OC24 podcast from the Global Initiative Against Transnational Organised Crime. Thanks for listening.